Welcome to Leadership Matters, a podcast hosted by me, Steve Parker. This is a series that brings a fresh perspective to leadership, motivation, and how to succeed by talking to a diverse range of CEOs, business managers, and world-class talent. We also offer some personal tips to help you in your career. Each episode aims to provide a snapshot into the life and philosophy of some of Taiwan and the world's most successful leaders, and to find out more about why leadership matters. Today in the studio, we're very lucky to have Thomas Fan. He worked for Ford for over 25 years. He's an engineer trained in the U.S. at Michigan U. He's born and bred in Taiwan. He's worked in China, Taiwan, the U.K. and Germany. Uh, he's been the chairman of uh, AmCham in Taiwan. Um, he's currently the president of Teco, a Taiwanese company, a big conglomerate. Um, massive job. And uh, he's also super keen on mentoring and startups, and it comes through in his passion. I've seen him talk to young people about what he does and where he's come from. We're very, very lucky to have Thomas uh, talking with us today. I think for your industry, coming from an industry like the car industry, I mean, you're right. involved with Ford for over 25 years. Yeah. That, that, that's a, an industry that has evolved and changed a lot. A lot. You, you must have seen and dealt with a lot of uh, change management over the years, both local companies, as you are now, but also the international companies and how right. they do. H- how do you prepare a company for the, the future? Well, I, I think uh, in order to prepare the change of a company, you need to prepare for the change of the person, right? If a leader like me not prepared or not knowledgeable about the change, then probably nothing was going to happen. So um, all the change all start from uh, people, no matter it's a leader themselves or the people working for them or as a team members, right? And a lot of time, uh, we, you can imagine the, the change may create a lot of hesitations, resistance, or even anxieties. Right, people talk about the biggest thing about change is actually fear. Right, right. It's not the process, uh, right? right. People like to stay in the comfort zone, especially uh, for, a, for people like, um, you know, they work in, like me, right? Working in Ford more than, uh, you know, uh, 25 years. Most of people probably, especially at the later part of their career with a company, probably they hesitate to take the challenge of the change. They are going to face the new challenges they didn't have a chance to to encounter before. So all kind of a uh, variable that uh, sometimes drive people crazy. You've been working for organizations that have thousands of mm-hmm. people all around the world. Yeah. You know, how do you start preparing a company that of that size for a, a, a digital transformation or or a future change of work? Well, I, I think any kind of change must have a, a clear purpose. Why? A company need to change, maybe because they feel they need to grow differently, or most of the time, they are already facing some kind of uh, external challenges. How do, you do, how do you deal with opposition? I mean, a family is one thing, but I mean, it, let's, let's go back to say something like, you know, uh, Ford or, or a company of that size. How do you go about dealing with, I mean, you've, you, you have to make people understand the purpose. I hear that. You make people understand the why. You know, we need to change. That in itself could be something scary. I mean, if you're telling people we need to change because we're about to go bankrupt or, uh, or if we continue to do this, we'll lose our, uh, we'll lose our business. Right. How, how do you prepare people without making them afraid? Yeah, that, that's actually, uh, I think, the difference between 
a good company and a great company. Uh, a, a good company, they change um, at a speed when they need, but a great company, they plan for the changes. In some cases, they change even before the thing getting ugly. They are almost like a disrupt themselves every five, eight years. One example is uh, Philips, for example. So, so they constantly you know, disrupt themselves, set up a new organization. So they're kind of a full of the entrepreneurship within a huge company. That's kind of a great company character, I would say. So, so I think a lot of this is an interesting point when you talk about this idea of a company changing before the change is necessary. I, a lot of people would really want to ask, how do you know? I mean, how do these great people know that the world is going to be something? I mean, it's very hard to predict a lot of the changes that happen in the world. But how, how do you as a, as, a, as a CEO, president, how do you keep ahead of kind of what's going on in the world? To my understanding, most of the time, a lot of companies know what's coming. To ride on the wave instead of uh, be you know, <laughs> totally overthrown <laughs> by the wave of change. Yeah, th- these are almost like uh, bits of personal advice, right? Yeah. I mean, if you're going to, you know, as a person gets older, I think you have to, you know, you also have to plan, right? Your life is going to change. Exactly. Things are going to happen. And if exactly. you're not willing to face up to the fact that exactly. the world is going to change. Yes. The only thing constant, right, yes. people tell us is change. Yes. And I, I think that uh, we, we say many, many times, maybe to ourselves and to our friends, uh, face the reality. <laughs> we know something coming. For example... Uh, in the second half of this year, the, the growth of a global economy is going to slow down, right. Right? right? And and so we need to get prepared. For example, do we need to go out to secure something? Do we need to get rid of our inventory quickly? Do we need to you know trim down our hiring so we can move quickly? Uh, uh, so so if really something change, we become lean and we become um, uh, uh, adaptable uh, to the change. So you, you bring up this idea of what's happening in the world right now. It's the first time I've ever seen for the, I guess, 30-plus years that I've been working that um, principals, you know, companies that you want to buy products from, are actually asking you to reduce your forecasts. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, they're telling you that, you know, in the past it would have been sell more, sell more, sell right. more. Now in this kind of these pandemic times, they're sort of saying, well, well just, you know, I may not have all of that for you, <laughs> or, or it's going to take three, four yeah. months. Yeah. So how do you make sure that your company can react quickly? How does a company, a big company, respond and change and move to something as enormous as this? Well, if you look at the, over the last uh, three, four, five months, right? Uh, in the beginning of the year, all those tech you know, stocks still riding high, you know, uh, their value off the roof, and boom, the uh, uh, Russia-Ukraine war happened, and then the interest rates going to be raised, and suddenly uh, a lot of things changed. And you look at that, how quickly Amazon and some of the companies changed. It's it's going to be hard to believe they didn't have plans for that, right? Or if they did didn't have the plan, but then they they had this great ap- uh, capability to draw out the plan almost like within. A, a, a couple of days. So how important then is, how important are the people around you? I mean, if you're a CEO and you're running a company, if you're a president, if you're a chairperson, whatever you are, you know, you can't, you can't control everything. 
Exactly, because uh, nowadays no one can do everything, especially for a big organization. Um, um, the CEO or chairman relies on a great team to function well. So the executive team members uh, need to be on the same page all the time. Communication uh, between each other going to be very, very smooth and very timely. Nothing going to be delivered just because one man, right? Well, you, of course, you can talk about uh, Elon Musk, right? But honestly, he has great team in Tesla. He has great team in SpaceX. So Thomas, continue on from this point. We were talking about change management and we we're talking about building teams. I wanted to talk a little bit about how important then, in order to build these teams, how important is something like learning and development? I mean, everyone talks about it. Companies always say they really value learning and development. People, when they're employed, always say, oh, I want to have a company that's going to train me and teach me. But really, for you, in, in your experience, how important is learning and development? Well, I think a, a good company or a great company, one of the characters, they learn how to adapt, how to react, and how to proactively act. And just like uh, you mentioned about if uh, something failed, the first question is, well, what do we learn from that? Right? So uh, uh, just like uh, you know, when we were young, young kids, right, we made all sorts of uh, diff difficult mistakes for ourselves. Right? If we didn't learn from that, we probably couldn't work anyway. We probably still crowd on the floor, right? So, so to to a company similarly, right? As a uh, small new company, they are going to run into different sort of uh, troubles, and they learn from them. Some failed, some success, right? As a big company, which obviously already went through so many cycles of this kind of a success or failures, right? The great company, almost like uh, they have a DNA in their brand, they learn from the, those failures, they learn from all those success, and they apply all those lessons to face up to the future. Right? So, so if you don't learn, if you don't learn even from yourself, you're not going to grow, right? Just like a you know, toddler crowded on the floor. How to start to you know, stand up? and how to work the first step. All trying to error, all kind of trying to error. It's all learning, all part of learning. So for you, I, just, I mean, I know you're an engineer by trade originally, and uh, it, you, you're talking about something which is very much kind of an engineering approach to learning, mm -hmm. I think, is you, you experiment, right? right? Right. You do it, you try it out, you see if it works. If it doesn't work, you adjust, you readjust your hypothesis or you readjust your, uh, your parameters or whatever it is, and you do it again, right? Can you as a company actually kind of pre-teach people to be successful though? I mean, can a company bring people in and set up a program that will encourage or allow them to be more successful with, well, with less failures? Right. I, I think a lot of companies are already doing that and they have uh, many uh, external internal training programs to teach about all kinds of things. Even a simple project management training also you know, teach how to make things successful, right? As simple as that, time management. It's not just talking about how to avoid failure. It's how to make a thing great, right? So that's, that's probably the fundamental things about the learning and the teaching in an organizations. And, but honestly, the best, best learning is from the failure, especially personal failure, right? But on the other hand, 
how a company or a organization can allow the failure to happen. Sometimes, if we we want to really, you know, bring up our employees, give them the room to run, we need to have some stomach to st- <laughs> to allow some of the failures, right? As long as those failures are innocent failure, not intentional, not you know misgiving, those kind of things, right? Right. So, and and honestly, my personally, I I also was kind of one of that kind of a uh, outcome. Well, I've heard you talk actually. I've yeah. heard you talk about failure is kind right. of your big teacher, right? You know how I how I failed my way to the top kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, for example, uh, one of the most challenging time um, um, uh, during my career at Ford was my time uh, at the uh, Nanjing. Uh, we established a new joint venture for a, a engine uh, product series, and we ran into all sort of difficulty from day one. You know, it was a three-way joint venture, a American company, a Japanese company, and a Chinese company. You can imagine <laughs> how far. Communication <laughs> issues now. <laughs> all kinds of issues. I, 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 it's almost like a joke, but it's a reality, because um, we fought for what kind of a toilet paper we should buy. <laughs> Something as simple as that becomes, Something uh, becomes simple, an but, issue. But uh, along the way, uh, we find a way um, uh, to, to stay together. And I found out every time when there was a crisis happened, actually uh, enhanced the, um, the teamwork, obviously. And also because we went through those crises together, so the, how can I say, comrade uh, feelings, getting stronger and stronger. And to the point, we all felt very proud of what we've accomplished as a team, even though it's a three-way joint venture. But eventually, we came out of the tunnel as a team, a true team. We started from arguing about what kind of toilet paper to a true team. Because uh, we fumbled so many things. We ran into so many troubles. I just tell you one, two things. One month before our first product engines launch, uh, a, a, you can imagine it's a casting machining assembly uh, company. So uh, casting always had some kind of different kind of orders. So you need to have a deodorization equipment. Okay. And one so month it smells, it smells. smell bad, wow. right? So you need to get rid of those chemicals, right? Either you collect that, you most of the time you just burn it out, right? One month before the product launch, our hugely expensive deodorization tunnels just burned out. <laughs> Overworked? <or? laughs> no, wow. some uh, interesting wow. smart uh, uh, operator doing the welding, but forgot the chemical inside the tank. <laughs> so he went through the through the <laughs> steel, wow. and boom. Wow. I you was standing there and looking at this <laughs> You can laugh about it now, but uh, wow. Yeah, and, and even worse, that's right before the Chinese New Year's. And you, you can imagine, right? Uh, Chinese New Year in China is a big event, right? Everybody left, everybody traveling, and uh, even the Chinese and also our Japanese friend all went back home. 
So just a few of us figure out how to get this thing done. So quickly order the new equipment, arrange all kinds of things, shipping in during the Chinese New Year, but the, the uh, customer office is not open, so you need to pick that up right after Chinese New Year. And all, all sort of very detailed plan, almost to the minutes, how soon we get sent in, how many people need to be on size, when to start to, to rebuild, boom, 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 boom. And the beauty is we still launch the product on time, almost no delay. Wow, wow. Right? So that's, uh, that was wonderful because I still remember uh, sit, sitting at the uh, airport of uh, Nanjing on the Chinese New Year Eve. Uh, on, on my way back to Taiwan, I still making phone call to Japan, <laughs> talk, talking to my colleagues in Japan, making all kind of those kind of arrangements. Was, it was fun, <laughs> very stressful, sure. but it was fun. <laughs> but you got it done. That's the thing, right? Yeah. But then the second one is a total disaster because um, the second engine um, um, launch was a a, a total failure. We, because uh, uh, usually when we did the casting machining, uh, uh, some of the defects almost like uh, inevitable, and you try to control that one. But when we launched the second engine product, some of the some of the issue just repeatedly uh, recurred. So we couldn't um, get the right engine out of the product line, and and all the you know, engineers from Japan, from UK, from North America jumping in to help. We every every week we produce a prototype, a retest it, failed, retest, failed, retest, failed. We delayed the because that's engine uh, because the, at the time um, uh, China has the localization reg- regulation. So for like a powertrain, almost like a mandatory, you must localize uh, in order to get the vehicles sold as the local vehicles, right? So the engine was to support a whole new vehicle to be launched in China, and because of the delay, we delayed the new vehicle launch by six months. And you can imagine how big the loss, right? Because uh, every vehicle is pretty good, uh, very solid profit there. And uh, at the time, Ford was rising. So uh, the value forecast pretty pretty good, pretty neat. And we just uh, delayed the program by six months. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, I think this is a really interesting point to talk about because the, for a lot of like the younger listeners who are thinking about how do they, you know, how do they get their career on track kind of thing. I I feel like when I talk to kind of new entrants to business that a lot of them think that they've, they've done a degree or they've done something or they've got a job in a certain company and they're on the track to being successful for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. You know, you're clearly a successful person. I mean, you, you, you've got a fantastic job with Teco now. Uh, you've worked for Ford for 25 years. But as we've just heard, you, you've had some spectacular failures <laughs> <laughs> on the way through. Unfortunately, Ford didn't find them. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so this comes back to some of the things that we're talking about is that, you know, great companies recognize talent. Mm-hmm. But what, what I'm hearing from you is that great talent is not always uh, evident Mm-hmm. immediately. I'm not yep. saying you weren't great yeah, talent, yeah. but I mean, you know, you had some failures. Yes. And yet they still supported you and they still, you know, uh, wanted you to achieve and wanted yeah. you to kind of run their business. Right. So mm, I, I just wonder if you... you well, I, I think a couple of things happened at the time. Uh, of course, uh, Ford has a uh, Ford has been and is always a kind of family feeling company, even though it's a huge multinational 
and uh, public risk company, but we still uh, have that kind of family company uh, inside that kind of feeling. Uh, so, so uh, Ford, Ford Motor Company really treat uh, employees uh, uh, quite differently. Um, second thing is that uh, I fortunately I had uh, a few very good uh, bosses and also mentors, especially uh, one person uh, called uh, Mr. Dave Shark. Uh, he was my boss several times. Uh, uh, in finance and also uh, later part uh, as a uh, general manager or CEO of Taiwan and also the uh, Johnny Motors. He told me a lot, a lot of things. Um, how to treat people, how to view yourself, how to, you know, um, um, run the business. Uh, we didn't talk that often, but I learned from how he behaved. Just give you one example. He he's the kind of person when he every time you know he 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 came out to Taiwan or China to visit people, he want to memorize every person's name and write email to everyone he meet, no matter uh, news reporters or you know market analyst or even the operator on the line. Wow. And he personally sent a thank you mails to everyone. Wow. That's that's something that I've always I've always kind of wanted to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I always tell myself every time I go on a business trip or I meet people at some event and I take back a stack of name cards and I go, you know, I'm gonna write to everyone here. And I and I I do most of it. <laughs> so you, you can imagine how difficult it is, right? Yeah. But he did that every time to oh. the to the point I almost like annoy me. Say what <laughs> again? <laughs> but uh, it, uh, honestly, um, you know, a finance community within Ford uh, uh, has been a bunch of very proud um, um, professional. I would say. Uh, since after World War II, we we had this kind of uh, blue blood in our in our in our, in our vest, okay. Almost like uh, we are different kind of animal. Even with within a great company, we are just different kind of animal, right? We are finance. Mm. So most of the time, uh, most of, a lot of finance people are, I don't want to say mean, but tough, very very tough, because uh, we treat ourselves at a very high standards. And we treat our people as <laughs> very high standard. <laughs> right. So have a boss like uh, Dave Sharks. He's a longtime finance person, and and behave so differently, almost like a wow, like a breeze in the morning. Right? Yeah. You you feel so fresh, and you feel wow. Okay, people can be success, but right. behave like that way. I, this, is, this is also a really good lesson for people is because a lot of people, you know, I find, I mean, my experience, I've worked in Taiwan for 20 plus years. My Most of my experience is in Taiwan. So I don't want to say it's how Taiwan works, but it's my business experience. And, uh, you know, I find a lot of maybe small, medium-sized companies, and we have a lot of them in Taiwan, but there is an element of kind of uh, of bosses using fear mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, kind of like they walk into a room and kind of like in Chinese, you know, the bachi, you know, <laughs> they walk Authorities. In, right. Yeah. Yeah. They walk into a room and what you're telling me is actually it's, uh, 
it's probably something completely different is actually much more valuable. Yeah, and uh, actually, I have uh, another friends. Uh, uh, we we worked together in China for a long time, and and most of the time, you can imagine the bosses in the manufacturing society must be like a very strong, very tough, very people, tough, tough person. Yeah. No, it's almost like a poet, right? <laughs> poet. Wow. Yeah, read books, listen music, talk very softly, and if you make a mistake, oh, no problem. Let's try again. That nice. kind of person. Yeah. And he also very, very successful. Uh, before he retired, he was the uh, uh, vice president of manufacturing for China. Wow. Wow. Okay. Big so job. The big job. And, and, and you, you imagine most of the time those manufacturing sites, uh, no matter in Chongqing, Nanjing, Nanchang, uh, people are rough. Right, operators not really all the way highly educated, right? So sometimes you need to be very tough. Mm. But when even when he was tough, you feel that kind of tough is not the definition right. of your <laughs> tough. Right? You can be tough and caring at the same exactly, time. Exactly, right? but he's so effective mm. in managing all those. You know, uh, you, you're talking about I manage the uh, company more than thousands of people. You think about the whole, all the manufacturing plants in China wow. under his command, yeah. right? That's and a big job. That would affect, I think emotionally that could affect anybody. I mean, right. it's very easy to be kind of... Right, uh, but, right. but then a soft-talking people can do that very yes. effectively. It is, this, this brings me on, and I want to kind of maybe finish up with this, because uh, is there one characteristic that you feel is kind of like a key to mm-hmm. being a great leader? It's, uh, I know it's a big question, but is, uh, do you think that there's kind of one characteristic? I mean, I, I've listened to you and you have a, obviously your engineering background has influenced you because you're clearly very clear on kind of project management and mm-hmm. processes. Um, but you've worked in companies um, over hundreds of years, sorry, <laughs> anyway, for some time. Do you think that there is a key characteristic that makes a great leader? Yes, um, maybe uh, everyone has different kind of um, uh, recognition or definition. But to me, a great leader must be of high integer- integrity. I, uh, the, the definition I, I met for the integrity is honesty. Uh, first, you need to be honest to yourself, honest to your work, honest to a job honest to your society, and also very, very important, honest to your teamwork members. Right? I think that's a really great place to finish, Thomas. Thank you so much for your time today. I really hope that I can be a a leader as honest and uh, full of integrity as you are, and hopefully uh, not have some catastrophic... That's my goal. I try to get there. (laughs) So I'm just hoping I don't have to go through those catastrophic failures in China before I can uh, achieve your level of leadership. Thank you so much for coming in today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. You can listen to this podcast live on the fourth Monday of every month and after that on the ICRT website, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Just search for Leadership Matters by Stephen Parker. You can also check out my social media. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, you name it, I'm on it. We'll see you next time.